altar of Pentecost or the Pentecost altar. In Acts 1, in verse uh, 4, I'm going to read to you. I know usually I read out of the New King James just to have consistency uh, when I read text. Uh, but I want to um, look at it from uh, the Passion Translation here this morning. And we'll read uh, both verses out of Acts. Uh, I'll read out of the Passion Translation so that if uh, it doesn't read as yours, then you won't think that I'm in heresy, okay? All right. Verse 4, it says, Jesus instructed them, Do, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait here until you have received the gift I told you about. The gift of the Father has promised. For John baptized you in water, but in a few days from now, I will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And every time you were gathered together, they asked Jesus, Lord, is it now the time for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And he answered, the Father is the one who sets the fixed dates and the times of their fulfillment. You are not permitted to know the timing of all that has he has prepared by his own authority. But I promise you this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be uh, seized with power. And you will be my messengers to Jerusalem throughout Judea, the distant, uh, distant poverty, even to the remote places of the earth. Amen. And so I want to talk to you this morning about the Pentecost prayer service, the altar that was there. The Feast of Pentecost is one of the feasts. There are different feasts in the Bible, the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Pentecost, and so forth. There are the different feasts, but the Feast of Pentecost is an appointed time that we see in Exodus chapter 23, we also see it in Leviticus 23, for God's people to receive this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And you can, I believe, position yourself to receive uh, things from the Lord. I know that we can receive at any time, but I believe that there is a way that we can position ourselves to be in a better place to receive from God. And there are seemingly seasonal portals where God promises to visit uh, in extraordinary ways. And the Bible says that we are to discern the, the times and the seasons, that we uh, have to come, we have to be wholly available, we've got to be ready for the appointed time and where the appointed time is. Where is the appointed meeting place with God as it concerns us, the body of believers? Well, I submit to you this morning, the meeting place with God is the altar. The altar is the first place where the Holy Spirit was poured out. And we must build an altar today. We talked, started this last week, but we must build an altar where that we will sincerely seek his face, where that we will come and, and we will put ourselves upon the altar, if you will. What is the altar? The altar is a place where that God and man come to meet. It is the, it is the place of the hem of his garment for the woman with an issue of blood. It is the place of release. It is the appointment of agreement that when I touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. It is when we come to the altar, there is an expectation in our hearts that we will meet with God. Can you say amen? 
We no longer have to build physical altars or we don't physically sacrifice animals, but we build an altar to God in our hearts. This is the meeting place where we uh, access his power. We access his presence. When we come and we have an encounter with him, it is that place of the altar, the place of meeting. And we can't depend on someone else's altar. We've got to build our own altar. Thank God for grandma. Thank God for mama and daddy. Thank God for friends and people that will come into agreement in prayer with us. But we must have our own altar. We've got to build that place of meeting with God. The altar is where Jesus calls the secret place. It is, the, it is the closet. It is, it is not something that where, where that we go and pray. Yes, we pray publicly, uh, we corporately we pray, but it isn't for uh, uh, people to see us praying. It is a place of privacy. It is a place between me and God. It doesn't matter who else is around or if there is no one else around. My conversation, my prayer, my meeting with God is between me and and him and that is the place where we can experience the reality of God it is the place where the, of seeking it is the place that we cry out to God and we empty our soul we empty our minds we empty our hearts it is at that place of the altar is where we empty ourselves so that there is an exchange for everything we have for everything that he has the altar is the place of exchange. The altar is a place of sacrifice. In fact, the Hebrew word for altar means that. It means very, uh, in the Hebrew, it means the place of the, the sacrificing place. Altar means the sacrificing place. And so it's, it's, it's we, we, we've, this is even sounds strange to us in the modern day church because church is supposed to about be uh, like Christmas. It's where you come to get something. Amen. What can your church do for me? What can your, will your church do for my kids? What will you do for my family? And, and, and what am I going to get by coming to church? Right? This, this, is, this is the culture that we have allowed the American church to become. And the reality of it is, is yes, we, we receive from the house of God. But it isn't about all the time getting something. It is about giving something. It is about a sacrifice of praise. It is about coming and serving. It is about being connected. It is about the altar is not just about getting something from God. The altar is a place to die. It is a place to sacrifice. It is a place to empty yourself that you decrease so that he might increase. It is a place of transformation and change. And so the altar is a place where the fire falls and consumes the sacrifice. So that every time that you worship, every time that we pray, every time that we give in an offering, that every time another brick is being laid, if you will, another, another portion of the, the altar is being, uh, the foundation is being laid. This is how we build the altar in our life is giving ourselves to him. Giving everything that we have, our time, our talent, our treasures, that we become a, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, right? The sacrifice must be acceptable unto God. It's not a strange fire. It's not, what is strange fire? It's whenever we come to God and we present our selfish agenda to him. When we give him what we want to give him, not what he wants. Right? How many of you have ever asked for something? Somebody asks you what you want for your birthday. What you want for Christmas. And you, you, it really don't matter what you ask them for. They're going to get you what they want to get you. Right? And... Uh, <laughs> 
that you just waste a lot of money that way. But that's the way it happens. Sometimes you run out of time to get something, so you just get something out of convenience. And you look at it and you say, oh, yeah, that's, oh, yeah, that's all you can say is, oh, yeah. What am I, you're thinking, oh, yeah, what am I going to do with this? But you can't say that because it don't, it don't, it don't fit in to nothing you like, nothing you enjoy. And you know that that wasn't a heartfelt thing. They'd run out of time. And I wonder sometimes whenever we bring an offering, if you will, to God, does, does it out of our selfish agenda because we didn't have time, we didn't bring him the best, we brought him the leftover, we brought him whatever it is. And Exodus chapter 20 and verse 24 said, you, you, are, you are to make for me an altar of earth and sacrifice on it your burnt offering and peace offering." In every place where I cause my name to be remembered, I will come to you and bless you. Amen. Here we see the original purpose of the altar. The altar is a place where that there is a sacrifice, but there is also a release of blessing. It's an exchange. You've heard me say that before. It's an exchange of sorrow for joy, for mourning, for dancing. Uh, it is a change from sin to salvation. It is a, an exchange for hopelessness, for hope. It is an exchange for sorrow, for peace. It, it, it's in a place of exchange. It is a place where we come and we offer the sacrifice, but then there is an exchange. We give the sacrifice and God releases the blessing. If you have no altar, watch this, if you have no altar, then there is no place for God to bless you. A lot of people's looking for the altar, looking for the blessing, but they're not praying at the altar. They've never built God an altar. So there's no place for the things of heaven to access into the earth. Because the way that God designed it, if you will, he designed it that he releases his blessing at the altar. So there has to be an altar in our lives in order for the blessing of God to get into our life. And, and so the most sacred place of the altar was... Uh, at the corners which had four horns on it and I don't know uh, how many of y'all was raised up in church but in the old church that I was raised up in my dad as well as uh, my the, the pastor pastor camp they had preach and they had talk about get a hold of the horns of the altar and pray through right and I thought to myself that's weird you know, horns of the altar. What is he talking about? So I had to study it out. I had to find out for myself. What is this dad's talking about? What is it the preacher? And, and so I found out that these horns represented the power. They represented the might. And, and there was on the four corners. It represented and spoke about God releasing his power, his might upon the earth. From the four corners of the earth. That his power, his spirit. And so when the old church was talking they were saying grab hold of the power of God pray through and experience the power and the presence of God in your life and I believe that that's still true today I know that it's old preaching but it's still true today if we're going to experience what God has then we've got to get a hold of the horns of the altar and we've got to pray till we pray through and we experience the power and the presence of a manifest Christ amen God's saying from this altar, I will release my power over all the world. If we don't have an altar, then we don't have power to take to the world. To release on the people. We need to grab hold of those horns on the altar and cry out to God and pour out our, our, your spirit, pour out your power, pour out your anointing upon this in this day. We need to cry out until we see his power and his presence manifest upon this world. Amen. Why? Because we need Pentecostal fire. My God, do we ever, do we ever. I know that, you know, for some time they tried to make us believe that, that people were scared of the Holy Spirit. 
you know, and you don't want to preach about that. You don't want people speaking in tongues and people not understanding it. I'll tell you what spirit you need to be concerned about. It's the, it's the spirit that's been released upon this nation. Amen. There is a spirit you need to be concerned about. And it's a demonic spirit of hell that has come to be released upon this nation and even the world. And we need to, we need, how are we going to encounter this? How are we going to combat it? I tell you, the only way we're going to combat it is to build an altar in our life and receive the power of the Holy Spirit, the fire of Pentecost to burn in our hearts, to burn in our lives so that we are able to overcome every fiery dart of the wicked one amen we need Pentecostal fire fire is about to, he, he, God desires to release a fire upon this last generation amen why because it's our promise amen it's our promise that on the day of Pentecost that he said I'm going to pour it out in this last day upon all flesh glory to God and God wants the altars to be restored because he wants to, his relationship to be restored with his people. He's given us a space. He's given us a time to repent and to repair and to rise up and to build the broken down altars that are in our life. And we're anticipating a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit, of fire, of his presence and his power. But in order for us to do that, we must first build an altar, not just on Sunday, but every day of the week, a place of meeting with God. A place of meeting with God. The altar is a place of death. The altar is a place also of birth. Amen. It's a place of death where we come and we crucify ourselves, right? We lay down our life and Paul said, it's not I that lives, but Christ that lives within me. Yes, the altar is a place of death, but it is also a place of birth. In Acts 2, the church was birthed on the altar in the upper room. Amen. God wants a people of his power. He wants them to carry us to carry the manifest presence. He wants us to operate in resurrection power. And, and, and we, we, not just in words, but in evidence. Amen. Not just in words, but in evidence. These signs shall follow them that believe. Right? And so if we believe the word of the Lord... And the word of the Lord is true. Yeah. Then if signs are not following us. We're not believing. And we need to be like the man that brought his boy to Jesus. And said, I took him to your disciples, but they couldn't help him. But if you can do anything, huh? And Jesus said, I can if you'll only believe. And he said, I believe, but help my unbelief. I think that's where we might be in the American. I think that's where we may be in our lives. That God, we believe you, but, but help our unbelief. Why? Because you've got to be honest with yourself. And with God before you can see a miracle before you can see the manifest power before you can see his presence and 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 and, and to be honest with you faith rises when you see a thing amen faith rises when you see a thing if it is about salvation if it's about healing if you've never seen anyone healed then you may question it if you've never seen a miracle, you may question, can, can, I know it says it, but can it really happen? Does it really happen that way? But when you see a thing, so, so I say that to say I understand why some people believe but help our unbelief. Because we believe that he's our savior. We believe that he is Lord. There's no question about that. But, but all of this supernatural, all of it, is it really tangible? Can, can it really happen? Does it really happen? Is it for today? Is it working now? And we haven't ever seen it. 
So it's hard for us to grasp hold of it in the spirit and say, I truly believe it, right? But I'm telling you today that it is for us today. If there's ever an hour for the supernatural, if there's ever a moment that God created for his church, it is the season and the hour that we are going into because we have never dealt with things like we're dealing with today. Our children and our grandchildren are dealing with things at three, four, five, six years old that we never encountered till high school. But we see that the demons seem like they're industrial uh, strength demons. They're coming after generations at an earlier and an earlier age. And we need something to combat the spirits of hell that are coming against the family unit and coming against the children in an early age. And what is that? It's not on our own might or our own power, but we need the power of the Holy Spirit living and operating, giving us wisdom, giving us direction, and giving us power to overcome the powers of the enemy amen he said these signs shall follow them that believe what what is the signs he said they shall be casting out devils how many devils have you cast out said they're speaking with new tongues how often do you do it said they take up serpents Hmm. i don't know about that they drink any deadly thing, and it shall not harm them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they might recover. Oh, excuse me. Thank you. Shall recover. They went forth preaching everywhere. And watch this. The Lord working with them. I love that. <laughs> they went forth preaching <laughs> and the Lord was working with them. Glory to God. You see, we've got to be a part of this thing. Amen. We've got to, we've got to get involved. And if we'll get involved in it, the Lord will come and work with us. And we will see, he said, he confirming his word with signs following. Amen. And, and we've got to have the faith. If we don't believe it, we'll never speak it. If we don't believe it, we'll never preach it. If we don't believe it, we'll never declare it. But if we, we get into the spirit and yeah, we've never seen it, but we believe, help our unbelief. And he gives us the strength and we believe it and we begin to speak it. The Lord is working with us and he's going to confirm his word with signs following. Amen. It's time that we take responsibility to completely fulfill our mandate in the earth. Right? The commission the Lord gave us in his last words when he, in, when he left, he said that we are to start operating in power and in authority instead of on the arms of the flesh, right? We've seen what the, the parades of flesh can do. We've seen what the manipulation of men can do. We've seen that in an era that, that has crumbled to the ground, if you will. And there is no evidence of power. But he says that we ought, there ought to be evidence of power. Amen. There is only one place where you can receive the power that God has for us. Where is that place? It is at the place of the altar. A place of divine exchange where you living sacrifice meets his fire. Where everything that's unlike him, the dross of our flesh is burned up. And all that is left is him. We bring a sacrifice of praise, of worship, of giving, and we surrender it to his will, right? The altar is a place where self dies. You can't crawl on the altar and have an ego. Egos don't live on the altar. They die on the altar. The altar is a place where we allow the Holy Spirit to come and take full possession of our lives. Spirit, soul, and body. Mind, will, emotions. I said it earlier, quoted it, but I'm going to say it again. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, 
holy and acceptable unto him which is your reasonable service. The altar is a place of power and God is wanting an outpouring of his supernatural power in this day. He wants miracle working power in his church. The, church, the altar is a place where that we should come and we should live at, we should dwell on, that we should abide at. And we must cry out on the altar in this Pentecostal season, just like they did in the book of Acts, and ask God to send the fire again, to reignite the blaze of Pentecost again in our hearts and in our lives so that we can experience not only uh, the, the, the crucifixion of, of our life, but also the resurrection of our life, right? Whether we give it all to him and we say that I don't live any longer, but it's Christ that lives in me. And in that hope, we have the power, we have the authority of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In Acts 2, he says there in Acts 2, or excuse me, Acts 4 and 29, it says, So now the Lord listened to their threats to, to harm us, empower us. As your servants to speak the word of God freely, courageously stretch out your hand of power through us to heal, to move in signs and wonders by the name of your holy son, Jesus. As they prayed, the earth shook beneath them, causing the building they were in to tremble. Each one of them was filled with the Holy Spirit, and they proclaimed the word of God with unrestrained boldness. Hallelujah. How many know we need boldness today? Amen. There's been a season that we have gone through where the church has backed up and until the same measure, the world has showed up. And we have seen that we have given away, and, and, and I keep threatening to preach on it sometime, but the seven mountains of power, seven mountains of authority, we have relinquished that to the world until we've allowed them to determine what is going to happen at the seven mountains that create culture. And the world is no longer as openly hostile to the church as they were back in the, the book of Acts because it has lost its fear of the church. The church isn't the threat that it used to be, in other words. <laughs> they, they, we aren't a threat as they were in the New Testament in the book of Acts. They were in because we have become indifferent. We become tolerant, right? We, 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 we have become tolerant uh, to all of the things that the world is going on with and going along with. The church has become tolerant and it's a sign of us becoming compromised. It's a sign that, that we have a Christianity that has a form but doesn't have any power. Amen. Amen. I remember my own father going to the school system whenever I was a kid and he went to the, to the what do you call that, the, where they have their little board meetings or whatever. And they was, at that time, they was wanting to teach about sexuality and all of that to, to younger kids. And my father stood in the presence of those people and said they'll never be another tax form uh, passed in this county until this junk is removed. And I'm telling you, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Today, we're letting any kind of mess roll on. And we're being tolerant to it. Amen. There's no, we, we don't have no boldness. I said we. I said we. I ain't pointing fingers at you. I said we. We don't have any boldness. We don't stand for nothing. Amen. Just allow the world to go on 
like a snowball out of out of control just running and we've got such a mess in our nation today and we don't even have to talk about political we can just talk about good and evil we can talk about uh, the, the devil against God. We can talk about these the spirits that have been released upon our nation. And if it doesn't shake something at your foundation, if it doesn't cause an alarm clock to go off in your soul, then I'm telling you, something desperately is going wrong because we're dealing with something today that we've got to rise up. We've got to get a boldness. You can't be afraid to be mocked. You can't be afraid to be laughed at. You can't be afraid afraid to be criticized you can't be afraid to be ostracized somebody's got to take a stand in this hour and we may never have a national voice but we can have a local voice and we this is where God has set us this is where God has appointed us and we have a sphere of influence and we can't allow the world to go on doing whatever it desires to do and somebody in the earth not speak up and say I believe the report of the Lord I believe the power of God is true I believe that Jesus is risen from the dead and that this is a demonic forces of hell and we're not going to allow this to be released upon a generation amen well, you just, you don't have no love. Yeah, we have love. Amen. Well, you just got to get along. Yeah, we're going to get along. Amen. Amen. And listen to me. Homosexuality is a sin. But as long as they want to do it themselves, that's between them and they're going to have to face God. But whenever you start trying to impose it upon generations that aren't even born, then me and you's got a problem. Amen. It's gone way too far. It's gone way too far. And we've got to rise up and say, hey, we aren't going to allow this to be imposed upon you. We, it isn't just homosexuality, but it's all of this mess that is going on in our nation that wants to be antichrist. Amen. Antichrist. Everything that has to do with God, Jesus Christ, we've got a problem with. And we don't want nothing and we want to silence its voice. Right? And we've got to rise up in this season because this is, the, this is what we have to understand. If we don't rise up at the right time, then the, the time will pass us and we'll be too late. Amen. Let me say it like this. It's easier to walk in divine health than it is to, to get healed. It's easier to get healing than it is to be raised from the dead. Is it easier? It's all the same to God, but I'm saying in our minds. Amen. And we've got to get this thing shifted in a right. How are we going to do it? Build an altar of Pentecost. Build an altar of Pentecost where the fire of God burns in our hearts again. Amen. Joel 2.17, let the priests and the ministers of the Lord weep between the porch and the altar and let them say, spare your people. Amen. The altar is first for the priest, but you are a chosen generation, a holy nation, a priesthood, that you should show forth the praise of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We're all kings and priests unto God if we're children of God. Amen. And so the altar is for us to come and to lament and to pray and to call upon God. So we as the priesthood of believers, we should be the first ones to pray and seek the face of God. Turn from our wicked ways so that this nation and the church can get a hold of the horns of the altar again and experience the real power of God. Joel 2 and 13, he said that it was from a genuine heart that we cry out, he said, rend your heart and not your garments. In other words, it don't matter what you're saying on the outward if there isn't a change on the inside. Psalms 51 and 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and a contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. 
It's a spirit of grace and supplication, according to Zechariah. I shared this last week, Zechariah 12 and 10. I will pour out on the house of David and on the house of inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. It could be said the spirit of grace and prayer or intercession, right? This passage describes the Holy Spirit, the Spirit's grace of supplication to be poured out on the Jewish people at the second coming of Christ. And then that, that we hear the, 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 you know, the woes of their tribulation, and that's what it's speaking of. But he's speaking to us also individually that we have to cry out, and that we will cry out that he will give us a spirit of grace and of intercession. It's the spirit of mourning, of grieving, of lamenting, of crying out for his grace to be poured out upon our hearts. But we have to humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God. Return to him. How do we return to him? 1 Corinthians 7.14 of my people which are called by my name. Right? He ain't calling to the world. He's calling to people that are his. If my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray. Seek my face. Right? Turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. This was a spirit of prayer that they were in, waiting in the upper room. Amen? In Acts 1 and 14, it says, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. He said, oh, that you would rend the heavens and you would come down. That, that, that they were desiring, they was crying out. And this is the cry that precedes revival. Amen. This is the cry of open, that precedes open heavens. This is a cry that, that when we cry out and we empty ourselves and we pour out and say, we can't do it without you. We've got to have you. We've got to have your Holy Spirit. Then we cry out and he begins to pour his spirit out upon our lives. And we, we, we have to, to have that kind of relationship where that we say, God, we can't do it without you. Can't do it. This is the acceptable sacrifice of worship. This is what releases the sweet smelling savor of Roma of God in our life. This is, the, this, this is what causes the fire of God to be poured out upon our life. And God wants to send a mighty revival. He wants to pour out his spirit upon the nations of the earth. He wants to reveal his glory. But we've got to first recognize our condition. We've got to say we can't do it without you. Right? We've got to repent for our spiritual dryness. Amen. And say, God, we cry out to you. We cry out to you. We ask you, God, forgive us for letting the river run dry in our life. Forgive us for, for, for allowing there to be a, 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 a lack of flow. Forgive us, oh God, and open up the heavens. Forgive us for neglecting our altars, our, 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 our personal altars, our family altars, our church altars. Forgive us for adultery. Forgive us of self-sufficiency and interdependence upon our own self. Forgive us for being uh, man-pleasers instead of God-pleasers. Uh, fearing man's face instead of God's face. Forgive us for, for our timidity and for our fear of man. Forgive us of our cowardness. Forgive us of our passivity. Forgive us of our indifference. Forgive us of our compromising of truth. Forgive us of bringing strange fire upon your altar and just giving you a lame lamb. Forgive us for building houses of entertainment and stages of performance instead of houses of prayer and places of intercession. Forgive us of lukewarmness and, and indifference to the lost and turning our thousands away and allowing them to go to hell without no burden and thousands of slipping into eternity lost and undone without any concern. Forgive us God. 
and renew us to a passion where that lost souls make us weep again. Where that the absence of your presence causes us to seek your face even more. Because the Bible said, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Before the fire of Pentecost can fall, he told us that in, was it in John chapter, about John chapter 20, he tells his disciples before Pentecost, he says to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Amen? Receive ye the Holy Spirit. This was not an optional thing. This was a mandate. Right? This wasn't like uh, going and getting a new car and saying, I would like uh, to have options on it, air conditioning, tilt wheel, and reclining seats, but leave the remote, uh, you know, Leave this off, leave that off, leave crews off. Leave the power windows out. No, it wasn't like that. He, he gave them a direct command, receive ye the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he knew they would need it to face the political system of the day. The spiritual powers at hand, they would need it. And if they needed it then, how much more do we need it today? They knew there was more. They knew that Jesus had promised them something they had not received. And he told them to go to Jerusalem and there to wait, to tarry. Uh, to, to, and the word there literally means to wait, means to sit in a place of power until you receive power from on high. Right? And so he said, I want you to go sit in a posture of waiting. But where is that power? Where is that place of power? It is at the place of the altar. Now this place of Terry, you know, I've, I've been a long time, you know, I've been raised up in the church and I've, you know, heard preachers talk about coming and tearing for the Holy Ghost. And I believe they preached it from a sincere heart. But I want to tell you today that if you'll study the word of God, you don't have to come and tarry any longer. The reason they tarried in the upper room is for the very fact the Holy Spirit had not yet come. Amen. But now the Holy Spirit is with us. Glory to God. And it is a gift that we have. We don't have to come begging. I remember one poor man all of my life. He, was, he would come to the altar and pray for the Holy Ghost. Pray for the Holy Ghost. Every evangelist that came praying for the Holy Ghost. They pray for that poor man. He looked like a, a slick pig at the county fair with the oil they had on him. And, and, and pray for the Holy Ghost. He never could get the Holy Ghost. And, but, you know, he finally received the Holy Ghost. But he had, it was, you know, years later. And I'm thinking, my God, how hard can it be to get a gift? Right? I don't beg for gifts. I don't ask for gifts. Jesus gave this gift. Father God gave this gift. It's the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, right? And he has given us the gift. All we have to do is show up and receive the gift. Amen. That's where we're at in the church today. Yes, they had to tarry because it hadn't Jesus and never yet got back to the Father. But after he got back to the Father, the Holy Spirit has been released. And now we just show up and we say, God, I thank you for the gift that you have given to me. And I receive that gift today. And that Holy Spirit baptism can be yours. Glory to God. He will fill us to overflowing. He will cause us... To, and some people say, well, what about this? What about that? I'm telling you that there is even heathens can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They come in and get saved. I've seen a man come in drunk as a skunk. I mean, couldn't hardly get to the altar. And fell out and about hit his head. I looked for his nose to be bleeding when he got up. But he, he wasn't bleeding. But he cried out to God. And before he got up from that altar. He was praying, speaking in tongues. And he walked out of there like any other person. 
sober as he could be. Amen. What are you saying? I'm telling you that, that the power of the Holy Spirit is so great and so wonderful that when we accept Jesus Christ into our life, it is available. You say, well, you got to, you got to qualify. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to get all this out of your life. There's some things in your life aren't going to get out of your life until you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and will give you the power to overcome it. Amen. There's addictions, there's habits, there's mindsets, and the power of the Holy Spirit will come to help you to overcome those things. What's amazing to me is, is you can be qualified for heaven, but you can't be qualified for a gift God's given. How goofy is that? Amen. If you're qualified for heaven, then you're qualified to receive the gifts. Come on, somebody. That God has for us and the Holy Spirit has been given to us so that we can have power to overcome the things in our life. Glory to God. They were waiting on the fullness of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit in Acts 2 and verse 1. He said on the day of Pentecost was being fulfilled and all of the disciples were gathered in one place and suddenly they heard a sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from where uh, from out of the heavenly realm and a roar of the wind was so power overpowering it was all anyone could bear and then all at once a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes and separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them. And they were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in a language they had never learned. Amen. In this Pentecost God wants to give us a fresh baptism. He wants to give us a Holy Ghost power, a mega, if you will, a mega overflow of power, of boldness, of unction, that we will be able to stand in this last day. That we may be able to be endued with power, that we will be equipped to do the work of the ministry, right? And that we will have this power and this authority. And, and it, you know, everything in life is about perspective right everything in life is about perspective the giant the the the, the, the uh when they sent the spies into the land to spy out the land, there was, there was two of them that came back with a, their perspective and said, here's the fruit, here's... Uh, Joshua and Caleb said that this is all that is in that land. It's glorious and we, can, we are well able to take the land. But ten others went in and they, they looked from the mountains. Joshua and Caleb went to the mountains and looked, right? Because that's where he said, I'm going to come possess that land. Give me this mountain. Remember him saying that? He, he was phoned a mountaintop perspective and he was looking down on giants he was looking down on things but nonetheless the rest of them were in a land of negativity and they said there's giants in that land in other words they even went as far to say they're all giants how many know whenever you get overwhelmed you can start exaggerating <laughs> Right? And they said they're all giants in that land. They're, they're, they're all big. But it was their perspective. It was what they were looking at. And I'm telling you, there's a perspective today that, that uh, in the church that we say, oh, we're outnumbered. We don't have enough. We, we, don't, we don't have nobody. We, we're just going down. The church is going down. It's, it's, it's never going to be over victorious. It, we, oh, we just hold on till Jesus comes. And, and one day when we get to heaven, I I know, I know that the Bible says in the last day perilous times will come. Men shall be lovers of themselves more than lovers of God. They'll have forms of godliness but deny the power. I know that he said in these last days that we would deal with devils and we would deal with things that other generations have never dealt with. We know that, that, that the world is getting more wicked and wicked each and every day. We can see all of that. But what is your perspective? I'm telling you today some people can see more devil than they can see God some people they see a devil behind every bush and a demon behind every tree I'm not looking for devils and I'm not looking for demons amen one lady come up to me I was preaching a meeting and she said oh did you see that devil he was, it was I was in a tent meeting and he, she said oh did you see that devil come in here I said no I was too busy looking at the angels 
I didn't know what else to tell her, but I didn't see no devil. So I just told her I'd seen angels. I don't think she's seen no devil. Amen. But some people, they see all the negative, but they're not seeing. But I, I know all this gross darkness, and I know all of, the, all of the trouble and the perilous times will come. But I also know simultaneously that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. I also know that the latter house shall be greater than the former house. I also know that in this last day, God is going to reveal his power and his glory in an unprecedented in a way I've got a perspective and I choose to stand on the mountain and look down on this situation and say yes our nation is in trouble it's a mess but the power of God the glory of God there is a river that's about to be unreleased and it's going to be released through the altar to the body of Christ where that we can undo outdo and overdo everything the devil has ever done and there'll be no trace of an enemy because of God's grace his power and his anointing is revealed in this last day church amen greater things than these shall you do greater greater works I'm almost done Amy greater works than these shall you do now how can you do greater works than open and blind eyes Unstopping deaf ears, raising the dead, setting the captive free, saving of the lost. How, how can you do any greater than that? It isn't about the quality, it's about the quantity. He said, because I go to my father, greater works, how can we do more than Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit? He was just one in the earth. Huh? But on the day of Pentecost, there was 121. Come on, somebody. Filled with the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. <laughs> Glory to God. And they was released upon the, the, the known world. And turn their world upside down. Now, how much more do we have the power, the ability to do greater works than Jesus whenever we have that same power operating in our lives? Amen. Just think about it. But do we believe? If we can believe, all things are possible to them that believe. Amen. I'm talking about altars. I'm going to keep on talking about it. I guess, I don't know if I'm preaching next week or not. They ain't told me. But if I am, I'm going to be preaching about altars. The next week, I'm going to be preaching. i got about six weeks right now. We're going to get an altar built around here. We're going to get altars built in our heart, in our lives, until it transforms us. Amen? Stand with me today, please. You're here today.